0: it's good to be with your church i know i am well in late but let me give you my greeting happy new year <laughs> it's good to gather together as a church to dine in the presence of god together as we set off this new year we have been talking about some important spiritual disciplines the habits that form our hearts we are not talking about the importance of prayer we are not talking about the importance of spending time in the scripture or we are not talking about the importance of friendship, sharing life in a community to just give you one more new year's resolution another to-do list that you must accomplish Uh, deep down we know those external modification or willpower can only go so far And we are tired to add one more to-do list in our agenda. But we are talking about this because we believe that the heart change happens through the small habits of our lives. Oftentimes, there are two ways that really our heart change takes place. One is through the magnitude of suffering. When you go through enormous suffering in your life that deeply impacts you, your core value begins to shake and your heart change will occur. And that kind of deep suffering, in a sense, we neither desire that and nor manufacture that. It's up to God. To When we suffer well before the Lord, sometimes He brings about heart change that we desire. Um, Yet at the same time, another way that our heart begins to change is through small increments of our habits that we form. So we have been talking about we pray that you spend time before the Lord in solitude, uh, not to impose your agenda upon God, uh, but to just to hear from Him without any string attached as you spend time in prayer in solitude. And we are not talking about the importance of Scripture reading as if the Bible is IKEA furniture assembly instruction. Once you assemble furniture, throw the instruction away. Bible is not just something that you go in to get the information out that you need, but we immerse ourselves in the presence of God, in its beauty of how He has revealed Himself in His Word. And as we immerse ourselves in His presence, in the beauty of God, in the poetry, in its literature, we begin to see our lives being reoriented little by little. So we don't go into the Word to get something out of it simply as if Bible is just our instruction manual. It is, but it's so much more than that. But more than us getting out of it, we just simply pour ourselves in the presence of him. And through that habit, our heart change begins to occur little by little, Lord willing. Likewise, today we are talking about friendship, the importance of sharing lives in community. And when you remember your own lives, oftentimes heart change happens through relationships, doesn't it? Through the joys of relationship, through the sorrows of relationship, through the conflicts of it, through the mundane times of ordinary times of relationship, through turmoil times of relationship. God lifts that and uses that. Those relationships and friendships are hard, isn't it? Oftentimes that's what our makes our lives, make it or break it. Sometimes it brings a smile, but also it sometimes gives us great heartache. Over the last couple of weeks, I caught up with actually a lot of friends of mine from Colorado, Georgia, Texas, Princeton, New York City. And one of my friends just told me, Jen, why is it that as you get older and older, it is more and more difficult to make friends? Um, I just told him, he went through recently pretty tough times. I just told him, hey, hey, man, I want to let you know I love you, and I'm so glad you're my friend over the last decade. And he just said, thanks for saying that. It's just friends are hard to come by these days. But does it have to be that way? I mean, do you realize that in your own life as well, you, the friends are everything, but now when you look around your own life, where are my friends these days? Does it have to be that way? what does the bible say about friendship first and foremost what is the theological reasoning for that so today we will dive into scripture to talk about friendship what scripture has to say and having said all that so let me read the selected verses from the second half of the book of proverbs especially the second half of the book of proverbs right? there are there a bunch of different topics all jumbo mumbled in that section So I gathered the theme of friendship from those Proverbs. So since verses are taken from all over the Proverbs, the verses will be up in the screen that you can follow along. These references are from Proverbs 17, Proverbs 20, and also Proverbs 27. So having said all that, let me read the word of the Lord. So hear the word of the Lord. Many claim to have unfailing love. But a faithful person who can find. Do not forsake your friend. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for a time of adversity. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. As iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another. And John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is God's word. Through God's word, we will talk about why we need a friend today. Three things that we will talk about today. First, we will talk about the vulnerability and the scarcity of friendship. Why is a friend so hard to come by these days? What are the reasons for that? The vulnerability and the scarcity of friendship. And second, we will talk about the need for and the characteristics of friendship. Why do we need friends in the first place? And what are the characteristics of this spiritual friendship we are talking about through the book of Proverbs? And lastly, we will talk about how to be a better friend. What compels us to be a better friend? Why do we need to be a better friend? So we will talk about the vulnerability and scarcity of friendship. And we'll talk about the need for and the characteristics of friendship. And lastly, how we can be a better friend. The compelling reason why we ought to be a better friend. So first, let's go. The vulnerability and the scarcity of friendship. We read it here. Many claim the unfailing love, but a faithful person, a faithful friend who can find. And the author of Proverbs tells us in 27, Hey, do not forsake your friend. Why does the author of Proverbs tell us to not forsake friend? I mean, if nobody really forsakes their friend, there's no need to talk about it. So by him saying, "Hey, do not forsake your friend," Proverbs 27:10, the author is assuming that there are many people who do forsake their friend, as if friends are disposable elements of our lives. And that is actually the reality. And I'm going to borrow a lot of concepts from our friend C.S. Lewis in my actually favorite book of Lewis, Four Loves. In the book of Four Loves that C.S. Lewis wrote, there are four types of love, he says. There's agape love, which is unconditional love from God, how God love just relates to us. And there's also storge love, which is familial love, like how parents love their children. There's the familial love, affection that we desire. And also there's Eros love, that romantic love that we know of, the passionate love. And also there's Phileo, that brotherly love, that friendship. And out of all this love that C.S. Lewis talks about, friendships are the friendship love, the Phileo love, are the one that takes the most back seat in our lives. Why nobody values? Why everyone values, especially this friendship love, at the last out of all those loves? What are the reasons of its devaluing? This is what Lewis says in his book. The first and most obvious answer is that few value it because few experience it. And the possibility of going through life without the experience is rooted in the fact which separates friendship so sharply from both the other loves. Friendship is the least of natural loves the least instinctive, organic, biological, gregarious, and necessary. It has least commerce with our nerves. There is nothing throaty about it, nothing that quickens the pulse or turns you red and pale. What is Louis saying is this, apart from eros love, you and I won't exist. Apart from storge love, the familial love, you and I wouldn't have been reared. I mean, a baby cannot survive on their own. They need a love from their parents. So apart from eros, there's the biological need, the impulse, instinctive drive for that kind of love, eros, And also for storge love, there's biological need for that. Unlike those friendship, it's voluntary in its nature. It's least instinctive. It's the secondary in your nature oftentimes. It's, there's nothing that makes you, yes, I desire it. As wise friend Elvis said, a wise said, only the fool's Russian, but I can help falling in love with you. Is he talking about friendship? No. He's talking of romantic love. Elvis doesn't say, wise men say, only the fool's Russian, but I can help falling in friendship with you. He said that Never. This culture overvalues especially romantic love that airs at the expense of filet of friendship love. We devalue it because it's voluntary nature. We dispose it as if, I don't really need that. That's not a biological drive or instinctive drive for friendship. And on top of that, um, now that's the kind of characteristics of modern individualistic culture we live in. But I want to especially address what has taken place last couple of years in the universe, especially I think in our country as well, uh, that exacerbated this reality of devaluing friendship. About a year ago, I mean here, the author of Proverbs said, do not forsake friend, but I think last two years, especially more than ever, we forsook a whole lot of friends. Let me explain what I mean by that. Um, Just about a year ago, just about exactly a year ago, actually, 2021 January, in The Atlantic, this author published an article that says, pandemic goodbyes, casual friendships. Um, And in their article, author kind of struggles to define what friendships really is all about, the categories of friendship. But the main premises of the entire article is that during the pandemic, we treasured our first-tier friendship, per se, our closest ties, whether it be your spouse, whether it be your family. Those closest ties, you treasure that. But all the second-tier friendship, whether it be church community, whether it be your friends from childhood, whether it be your colleague, we just let go completely. This is what the author says. The pandemic has evaporated entire categories of friendship. And by doing so, it depleted the joys that make up a human life and buoy human health. During the past year, it's often felt like the pandemic has come for all but the closest of my close ties. Most Americans were especially ill-prepared for the sudden loss of their weak ties. The importance of friendship overall, and especially friendship of moderate strength, it's generally downplayed in the country's culture, while family and romantic partners are supposed to be the be-all and end-all. While we treasure our closest ties of our inner circle, we let go of all the other friendships, whether it be your friends in our church community, whether it be your friends, just name it. You know deep down yourself who you let go, especially this time. And I am convinced, and the author addressed the same too, I am convinced more you let go of those second-tier friendships in your life, the more echo chamber you will dwell, the more sallow you will dwell, thus more polarizing society it will become. Now we lost the art of friendship that we just don't know how to get along with each other because you, only, you let go of all the other people who will challenge your notion of thought but you only dwell in the complete silo of your, the most inner circle. That, I think, is still pretty prominent. But we let go of all the other friendships, including our church, including our church friends, including the communities, that one by one during the pandemic, already we live in the individual society that does not value friendship. We devalue that at its first but on top of that, this last couple of years, we let go of all this second-tier friendship. As a result, we just don't know how to get along with each other. And if you think about it, that reality kind of made us much more polarizing society. What are the reasons then? What are the things that really contribute this vulnerability and the scarcity of friendship in our lives? I mean, Proverbs can't be any clearer than that. Do not forsake your friend. But we do all the time. Faithful friend, who can find? We just do not value their friendship. Why is that? First, I don't think we have any margin in our lives these days, right? Um, in our business, I think I shared this from the pulpit once before. A friend of mine once said, Jen, I used to love growing up. Man, my friends would just randomly knock on my door, and then we would hang out. That was the best thing. Oh, even with my best friend nowadays, I feel like I have to schedule everything in two weeks in advance, and I only get an hour and a half at the top. We are so busy; there is nothing else left in that. Oh, we want to give our time in productivity, but not in friendship. We only care about the first tier, all the second tier, church community, and other relationships. That God has called us to be a generous friend. We are so stingy with our time. Let us not only be generous financially, church, but be generous with our time, that we give ourselves for one another. Church is more than your biological family. This is united by the blood of Jesus Christ, and it is worthy of your time and your giving of your life. Uh, Just about a couple, I have a friend that I got to know in my seminary years in Dallas days, like a decade ago. Uh, about three years ago a friend of mine moved to new york city because i had not seen her about two years i went to visit her uh, and when we talk um i thought since we hadn't seen each other like two years i thought she would have said "Jin, it's so good to see you let's catch up let's have some quality time together bear your heart out to me let's let's catch up that's not what she said she said jim let's spend some garbage time together i'm like excuse me and I know you live in New York City. I know trash is hard to take out. Uh, you, you need me to help you to take out your trash? What's going on? I'm thinking, uh, no, I found out she was just rebelling against the subculture of Christianity that says, oh, yeah, we are spending about to spend quality time. Let's have heart to heart conversation. It has to be deep theological. It has to be the most quality time ever. It has to be theological discussion. She was like, forget that. Let's just dine and chill. It's okay, let's spend some garbage time together. It's okay to just spend time together as a friend without any agenda. I appreciated that. Oftentimes, even we want to have productive friendship that buy into the mindset of productivity, that as if we use friends only as a means to an end. But what if we are generous with our time? It doesn't have to be the best quality time in the world. Sometimes it comes through that time. But sometimes we are so almost too pietistic in a way that, oh yeah, this has to be the best time ever. Has to be most intense, most glorifying, most theologically oriented discussion. Oh, friends are just there to share for time for one another. Can we be generous friends, Chelton, with our time? Would you be willing to give yourself not only to your first-tier friendship of your spouse and family, but beyond that to your community that God has called you where you are? The vulnerability and the scarcity of friendship is pandemic. As a result, of loneliness is pandemic. We are so isolated on our own. Now, let me bring that to our level, our church children. Well, by and large children, but specifically children as well. One of the privileges of being a pastor here is that I get to know you, which I'm very grateful for. I take great privilege and delight in that. And one of my favorite questions to ask you is, hey, how did you end up in Shelton? What do you like about Shelton? What's all about Shelton?" All the reason I hear is like, it's great reason. Oh, I love our music. Music's are great. Well, thank you. Oh, I have family here. I'm so grateful for my family. That's great. I love preaching. Wonderful. Oh, yeah, we got the best youth program. Great. Oh, I'm so thankful for my children's ministry. Wonderful. Man and woman. I hear all that but I rarely ever hear, oh yeah, I chose Cheltenham, I chose Chelton because I want to be friends to these people, because I like the people, because I want to make myself known to others, be friendly to one another, and get to know these people. I rarely hear that. I think we are very content. We have such a tight community, Cheltenham, but I think we are so tight community of our first tier friendships. Would, would you extend yourself to someone you may feel very content today. Oh, Jen, I am very tight with my family. Jen, I am very tight with my disowned two people. That's great. But there may be somebody who is really looking for your generous friendship today. You are more valuable and needed than you realize. And sure, there are many reasons why the friendships are so vulnerable and scarce these days. But perhaps in, we have no margin for friendships And we have no categories of thought for the second-tier relationships and friendship that God has called us to give ourselves. As a result, oftentimes we lost the art of friendship, even in our circle today. Your friendship doesn't have to be all fancy and packaged and neatly put together. Just talk to them. Say hello. See how that goes. God only knows what they can do. When you feel so seen and loved, you feel immensely loved, not only by others, but by God. Sometimes some people feel the very love of God just by your presence. So first and foremost, the vulnerability of scarcity of friendship is a real thing in our culture, in the day and times we live in, not only out there, but within us as well. Now, secondly, now, let us talk about then why do we need really friend? The need for and the characteristics of friendship. We read verses from Proverbs 17 and also 27. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. as we said, we need friends more than we need more than we realize we need true friends that love us at all time the desire to be known desire to be accepted desire to be seen do you know that it's god given desire children the world might not have exact category to describe this sacred innate divine desire that god has given us but they get it they also know the human desire belonging the Brian brown is a professor at Houston University. I think she gained a fame through a TED Talk on vulnerability. In her book published in 2010, The Gift of Imperfection, this is how she talks about belonging. Notice how she taps into the divine nature of our desire for belonging. Belonging is the innate human desire to be part of something larger than us. Because this yearning is so primal, we often try to acquire it by trying to fitting in and by seeking approval, which are not only hollow substitutes for belonging, but often barriers to it. True belonging is not something you negotiate externally. It's what you carry in your heart. It's finding the sacredness in being part of something. It's the sacred desire to be known and to be loved for who you are. It's very God-given desire. I think Christian misunderstanding for need for friendship has been, I think, is immense. The legalistic view is that the mark of spiritual maturity is that you are self-sufficient. Oh, I'm pretty content. I'm good here. That's considered spiritual maturity. No, it's not. To be in need of friends, to be in one of deep friendship actually is the precise mark of spiritual maturity. Desiring friendship is not a neediness. It's a God-given innate desire for belonging. How can I argue that theologically? Look no further than the creation account. When you look at the creation account in Genesis 1, whether it be that God creates the light, heaven and earth, seas, firmament, all that, after God creates its element, he always pronounced benediction, and it was good. But the first malediction that God ever pronounced to mankind Remember, this is even before the sin entered into the world. But the first motivation, God says, it is not good for man to dwell alone. Wait, how is that not good? In a perfect world, a sinless world, before the sin of mankind entered, God says it is not good. So God creates companionship of Eve. Because God created us not only for only himself, but with also people of God. So for you to desire community, if you feel like, Jen, I am lonely, I want friends, that's not the sign of your spiritual immaturity. That's, in fact, a very God given desire that, yes, you are made for community. And I pray that you do find the community in our church. I do pray that you find the community here and there. And if our perfect, holy God exists in community or friendship, how much do we, imperfect, sinful beings, need one another? So when you feel like, Jen, I want a friend who loves at all times. That's great because God made you for that. I pray that we continue to press in deeper for that, that we debunk our spirit, our flaws, our fallacy of what spiritual maturity is all about. No, to be in need of friendship is the very mark of spiritual maturity. Then is how is friendship really happened then? But is that can it be forced? Why don't you go one by one and say, oh, I really want friend. Can you please be my BFF? I really want you to be my best friend forever. Let's have heart-to-heart talk right now. It doesn't quite happen that way, right? Friendships are often discovered, and yet it's made at the same time. That's how friends are happening. As Louis says in his book, friendship really begins when he says, Oh, you too? I thought I was the only one. If the romantic love is really looking eye to eye, Friendship love is much more standing by shoulder to shoulder on a same journey together. Whether you are sharing the common affinity of something, whether it be something that in similar stage of life, when you're on a journey together, just like the JR Tokens, the Lord of the Ring, they are on the quest together. And he talks about the beauty of friendship through the journey. And it is no accident that God has called you together in this journey of Chelton. Share your lives, make friends. I know New Year's have well passed, but one of my favorite New Year's memory is when I was in seventh grade, how dumb I was. <laughs> it was the greatest memory ever. I had three or four close middle school friends. I lived nearby the shore, about only three five minutes from the shore, but I lived near the location where it was known for the, one of the most famous sunrise location in all the nation. It's only a 25-minute drive, but I was in seventh grade, and I got the band of brothers. Hey, man, it's New Year's Eve. Let's do something fun. It's, like, far below freezing. It was, like, under 20. I think it was around 10 degrees. It was freezing, and living in a short freezing weather, but I'm like, let's walk to the sunrise site. So we got out of our house at 8 p.m., walked about nine hours nonstop. I got fr- like frostbite. It was terrible. It was one of the most stupid thing, stupidest thing I've ever done. But, like, our three, four closest friends began walking, and we had invited another, like, ten friends. that We barely got to know. But through that journey, we were like, this is so freezing. Why are we doing this? We should just go home and come back tomorrow morning to watch sunrise. I was like, no, we are not giving up this. Let's walk together. Walk nine hours nonstop on New Year's Eve, got there, sunrise, sat at 6 a.m., watched beautiful sunrise. Oh, went home, dunked myself in hot tub. It was freezing. But to this day, when I get back to my middle school friends, that's one thing we talk about. Do you remember in that time? So yeah, I remember how dumb we were. But that was the best time ever. When you're on a journey together with somebody, whether it be the literal journey that I mentioned, or you are just simply sharing your heart agony, you share a similar life stage or a similar hobby. Oh you too, you feel that way too? I thought I was only one. Friendship begins to form and be discovered. But because as Louis talked about the friendship in its voluntary nature, it does not have a biological drive or need for it. We must cultivate that. Friendship does not come voluntarily. So how is a friend truly be made then? First, we look at the true friendship. The characteristic is that it requires faithfulness. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Friends are not there just for the good time to be he he ha ha. For friends are there when you are going through the greatest heartache, heartache. My favorite book I read in 2015 was actually a children's book uh, written by R.J. Palacio called Wonder. Uh, one of my favorite lines in the book is that it's not enough to be friendly; you have to be a friend. Children, it is not enough to be just friendly sharing smiley face. But you have to be a friend born for a time of adversity. Press in. Ask them hard questions. Hey, how are you today? Really? I know you are going through a rough time. Do you feel seen and loved? How's life doing today? I want to let you know I'm committed to you through thick and thin. Do you have this kind of faithfulness at all times? Your friend loves at all times. It requires... That faithfulness, first and foremost, that's what marks the friendships all about, that we don't use, abuse, misuse one another, but we are there through thick and thin. Secondly, it says, better is your neighbor nearby than a faraway relative. Friendship also requires presence, right? Uh, through many garbage times, hopefully quality time will come. Uh, you cannot just force uh, that kind of intimacy by one second, But we are present at one another's life. As iron sharpens iron, as Proverbs 27 says. So we sharpen one another. That only happens when you come in contact. There are two irons. It doesn't sharpen one another unless it comes in contact with one another. Through the friction, through joy, but also through hardships and conflict, we sharpen one another. So there's faithfulness and also presence. Also there is candor, Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of enemy. True friend does not fake peace, right? We address what needs to be addressed. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Sometimes true faithful friends will tell you what you need to hear, even though it hurts sometimes, even though we don't like it. But the better is open rebuke. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. When your friends loves you enough to tell you the truth that you need to hear, you need to keep that friend. They are the treasure. I think, it is, I think one of the most famous playwright in English language is Oscar Wilde. It's been a decade since I saw his play, the importance of being earnest. But out of all the things that Oscar Wilde said, my favorite line of him is, enemies will stab you in the back but true friend will stab you in the front. True friend will tell you what you need to hear, even though it hurts. Enemies might just stab you in the back and run away from you, but true friend will tell you, hey, I know it's hard to say, but there is better open rebuke than hidden love. Do you have this kind of friend? Treasure that. Those are hard to combine in our lives. So, having said all that, there is vulnerability and scarcity of friendship isolation is pandemic loneliness is pandemic because while all the other loves we have the biological drive instinctive drive for it friendship love we don't have any biological drive it requires intentionality it involves voluntary nature so especially in a busy individualistic society we have devalued friendship incredibly isolation is pandemic loneliness is pandemic and if you desire for that belonging friendship today it's a god-given desire children pursue that and for those some of you who really let go of all the second tier friendship second tier friendship thinking oh it's my spouse only my family only i challenge you to look further and beyond that pandemic has erased all the second tier friendship but let's restore that let's press into that because that's what church is all about. Blood of Christ is thicker than the blood of family union. I think we can do better in that. And True Friends knows how to be present, how to be candor, how to be faithful, and how to love well through thick and thin. Having said all that, what can you do today, children? Today, welcome to Community Group Sunday. Entire sermon was a promo for that. No, it wasn't. But there will be five, six different groups of community groups out there. Well, you don't, it's, not, it's, it's not like you have to stop by one bus, now you have to commit your life to the community group. By no means. Check out all five. See which station has the best candy that you enjoy the most. Talk to the leaders. Go show up once and go to another group. Or you said, ah, I don't like any of them. I, I want to start a new group or I want to join a new group. That's fine. We have a new group table as well. Just stop by, talk, and see what God has for you. What if we have too many people for sign for one group? Great, we'll birth a new group. So then we can foster more friendship. So Chelton we said we cannot manufacture friendship. I cannot make you you, why don't you be friends with you now? We cannot do that. Uh, friendships are discovered more than made initially. But once it's discovered, you must cultivate to make it. So what we can do is only foster that environment for you. Worship service isn't if you say, Gin, I show up every Sunday, why don't I have a friend? Well, Sunday worship service isn't particularly designed for friendship. It's your communion with God, typically. But the vertical friendship, a horizontal friendship happens in the context of our community group. So stop by. Pursue the friendship. Second, for some of you who are just really content right now, you know, I'm pretty good where I am. I really don't need any friends. Let me challenge you to think once again about that. You may be content, but there are other friends out there who are looking for your generous time and open hearts why don't you think pressing a little more before the lord god what do you have me today and lastly if you have those friends that you kind of let go during this season will you just pick up the phone call and call them see how they are doing um i got one of my dear friends that i walked through about last 15 years or so lost his father back in october november so i walked through the dark season with him um and all his friends remembered cared for him and moved on but just uh, this past week i was compelled to just call him one more time hey man i just want to let you know i love you um i know you're going through deep grief and i know people remember you when you go through immediate trials but they forget about they move on and so do i i probably moved on too but i take time to remember you just want to let you know you are still seen and loved. I love you, my brother. He left me a video message yesterday. He's like, Can I really thank you for that? Friendships are just so hard these days. Um, I'm only able to do that because that kind of love has been extended to me by many others, first and foremost. There are seasons that I just didn't know how to make it. I, there are seasons such a dark night of my soul that I'm like, God, I just cannot do it. I felt so stripped and naked without no ground to stand upon. But there are my friends who called me, left me message nonstop, five, six messages a day. Saying, I'm right there with you. I'm praying for you. Apart from that, I wouldn't even be here. So treasure those friendships, Chelton. Will you? Faithful friend, how can you find? Now, if I just end my sermon right there today, then I exactly did what I told you to not do. I just told you, you need to do this, do that. I just gave you another to-do list for your New Year's, right? Uh, that's not it what's the reason for that we are talking about all this where does the heart change that we are talking about really come from first and foremost let me show you in the garden once again in the creation account it's genesis 3 8 god walked along in the garden of eden that's what it says but adam and eve hid themselves ran away Hebrew metaphor of walking along with someone is friendship. That's a Hebrew metaphor for friendship. God pursued friendship to Adam and Eve. But because of their sin, they hid themselves and ran away. We have been in permanent exile. We abandoned the friendship offer from God, but we've been on our own, running away. Our God was not content about that. So thousands of years later, God will come to the garden once again, the second garden, the garden of Gethsemane. This time he pursued friendship too, but everyone ran away from him. In the hours of need that Jesus Christ needed his friend, some fell asleep while Jesus was sweating his blood out for the love of his friend. Everyone just deserted him. But what did Jesus do still? John fifteen thirteen. greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friend's. John 15, 16, No longer do I call you servants, but I have called you my friend. For friendship, Jesus Christ went to the cross and laid himself down so that we are no longer enemies of him, but now we are friends of God because Jesus Christ precisely pursued for their friendship with us through his death, through his sacrificial death. And he tells us, Hey, Love God and love your friend, love your neighbor. The reason why we can love one another, extend our friendship, is not because that's another to-do list, another task we must accomplish in order to be more righteous in our own eyes. No, because we have been so moved by God's pursuing love of each friend for us. He has pursued us from the first Garden of Eden, but we hid ourselves and ran away from God. But God was not content with it. Jen, I still love you. I still want to pursue your friendship. I'm going to lay my life down for you. There's no greater love than this, to lay down your life for your friendship because we know that we have been infinitely loved by Christ at the cross, and he called us to do the same to your friends. So, Chilton, will you give yourself because you know that you have been infinitely loved You have been offered this glorious friendship by our God through his sacrifice. Let us be that sacrificial friend. Let us be that loving friend in this dying and a desperately lonely world who are desperately looking for friends. What kind of friend is God calling you to be today? Let us look to Christ first and foremost, and may that compel you to the degree that how he has pursued you melt your heart, you will begin to feel compelled to extend the same to one another. And I pray that that love will mark our church, Chelton, a church of hope. Let's pray. God, we confess that we have been stingy with our friendships. We've been so selective and exclusive. We've been so judgmental. So we confess that And God, oftentimes we say, oh, we are fine. We are busy. There's no margin. But make us generous friends with our time as well, God. Help us to show the love of Jesus to one another as Jesus has shown that to us. God, obviously we can extend this kind of friendship because you have demonstrated that and shown that to us first and foremost. So God, our our ultimate friend, God, we sing to you. We remember you. We remember your sacrificial love. And as you remember your sacrificial love offered to us at the cross, help us to be that kind of friend that extends the same love to one another. So move us. Melt our heart first and foremost of how you have befriended us. And as our hearts are slowly melt, I pray that we will extend the same friendship that God offered to us to one another. And I pray that we will be one church, not a polarized church, not a segregated church, but truly one church marked by friendship with one another. God, this is a lofty task. So first and foremost, we sit at the foot of the cross. Melt us and then move us, mobilize us. Go, oh, Lord, we commit ourselves to you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.